Peace and light, everyone, and welcome to Talk Soups, Midweek Spiritual Boost. In today's episode, we'll begin with our Black History Month, Black Story Month segment by talking about Black history and its importance and some of the contributors of Black history around the world. We'll be doing this throughout the entire month. I'll also be sharing all kinds of information in regards to the contributions that Black people have made to America and to the world, such as inventions, educators, doctors, lawyers, historians, and not just from contemporary society, because as you know, my motto regarding the subject of Black history or Black story is there's no history without the Black stories. We have to begin to rewrite our story and keep it real, honest, and true. Our lives and the lives of our offspring really does depend on it, and this is fact. I'll also be sharing ideas on how to honor and celebrate our Black History Month. Remember, every day is a day to celebrate our history. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Jackie, and welcome to Talk Soup for Your Soul, the show that's dedicated to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual growth. On today's show, like I said, I'll begin with an introduction into a series that's dedicated to Black history. So all month long, we'll be spotlighting Black people's inventions and ideas that are used by people around the world. In most cases, some of these, even on a daily basis. Inventions that help to make our lives be simpler, and in some cases, they help us to feel good and stay alive. So we're going to begin talking about Black history, then we'll segue into our body's energy system. Now, I started discussing our body's energy system in the last episode, so I'll go in and dive a little bit deeper, talking about the aura in today's show. We'll be talking about brain health and healthy living and aging, and ways to age gracefully course I'll share a moral story and we will share some herbal remedies and so I hope you're ready so sit back strap up and let's get rolling All right, you guys, let's get rolling. So in August of 1619, a journal entry recorded that 20 and odd Angolians kidnapped by the Portuguese arrived in the British colony of Virginia and were then brought 
are bought by English colonists. The date and the story of the enslaved Africans have become symbolic of slavery's roots. Despite captive and free Africans likely being present in the Americas in the 1400s and as early as 1526 in the region, that would become the United States. And so our history does not begin with slavery. The more I research, the more I find out the connection to Black people's lives or Africans' lives. It spans hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. And so we did not begin as slaves. We had a civil, peaceful environment. Yeah, a little skits here and there amongst people who lived within the African continent prior to colonization. But it was nothing like chattel slavery, which took place during the mid-Atlantic slave trade. And so you once you get to America, the fate of the enslaved people in the United States would divide. Yes, there was a division. The nation was divided during the Civil War. And after the war, the racist legacy of slavery would persist, sparing movements of resistance, including the Underground Railroad, the Montgomery Bus Boycott, the Selma to Montgomery March, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Through it all, Black leaders, artists, and writers have emerged to shape the character and identity of a nation. So slavery came to North America in 1619. The life on the slave ships, whew, it was nothing that I could have dealt with. So to satisfy the labor needs of the rapidly growing North American colonies, white European settlers turned in the early 17th century from indentured servants, mostly poor Europeans to a cheaper, more plentiful labor source. Now, indentured slaves, they worked for about seven years. And once the seven years were up, was up, they got land and they got paid to start themselves. But the enslaved Africans who worked for free, who did not get one cent, they didn't even buy them shoes and proper clothing. And they worked from sun up to sun down. So they didn't get any pay at all and still haven't gotten any reparations for it. So after 1619, when a Dutch ship brought 20 Africans ashore at the British colony of Jamestown, Virginia, slavery spread quickly through the American colonies. Though it is impossible to give accurate figures, some historians have estimated that six to seven million enslaved Africans were imported to the New World during the 18th century alone, depriving the African continent of its most valuable resource, its healthiest and ablest men and women. And so when we talk about our enslaved ancestors and us, their blood runs through our veins and we share their spirit. These were the healthiest and ablest men and women. And if you don't believe me, look it up on the History Channel. Documentation is there. And I have to beg 
you know, I don't beg for nothing, but I, I wonder why, why is it so hard to give us reparations? But anyway, after the American Revolution, many colonists, particularly in the North, where slavery was relatively unimportant to the economy at that time, they began to link the oppression of enslaved Africans to their own oppression by the British. Though leaders such as George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, both slave owners from Virginia took cautious steps towards limiting slavery in the newly independent nation, the Constitution tactically acknowledged the institution, guaranteeing the right to repress any person held to service or labor, an obvious euphemism for slavery. Many northern states had abolished slavery by the end of the 18th century, but the institution was absolutely vital to the South, where Black people constituted a large minority of the population and the economy relied on the production of crops like tobacco and cotton. Congress outlawed the import of new enslaved people in 1808, but the enslaved population in the U.S. nearly tripled over the next 50 years. And about 1860, it had reached nearly 4 million, with more than half living in the cotton-producing states of the South. And so you get the rise of the cotton industry in 1793. We want to give a shout out to Eli Whitney, um, a young Yankee school teacher who came up with the solution to the, the problem of this production of cotton. He created the cotton gin. It's just a simple machinized device that efficiently removed the seeds. Could be hand powered or on a large scale harness to a horse or powered by water. The cotton gin was widely copied and within a few years, the South would transition from a dependence on the cultivation of tobacco to that of cotton as the growth of the cotton industry led inexorably to an increased demand for enslaved Africans. The prospect of slave rebellion, such as the one that triumphed in Haiti in 1791, drove slaveholders to make increased efforts to prevent a similar event from happening in the South. Also in 1793, Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Act which made it a federal crime to assist an enslaved person trying to escape, right? I mean, you go figure. Some of these people were so psychotic until they thought that our ancestors actually enjoyed being enslaved. And so the Fugitive Slave Act, this is passed by the American government. It was a federal crime to assist any person that was enslaved and trying to escape. Though it was difficult to enforce from state to state, especially with the growth of abolitionist feeling in the North, the law helped enshrine and legitimize slavery as an enduring American institution. Now you tell me, with the history of enslaved Africans, our ancestors in this country, do you think that black people in america are free answer that i mean and hey this is the midweek spiritual boost so in order for a person to be spiritually 
balance, you have to do it in truth. And I talked a little bit about that in last week's episode. You get all these people out here yakking and clacking, talking about their children of God, and they have had these spiritual epiphanies or whatnot, and they're gurus, but you allow a system to steal, enslave people because of the color of their skin. I mean, let's keep it real. Black people are still the lowest on the totem pole when it comes to freedoms. I mean, that's an education. Hey, the guy down in the governor in Florida just passed the No Woke Act. And he says in it that AP classes should not be taught that relate to black history because they have no educational value. Talking about a psychopath, I mean, how can you say that black history does not have an educational value in this country when this country was built on the backs of black people? And so with the Congress and the government legitimizing slavery as an enduring American institute, I mean, enduring, they didn't want to end it they wanted to expand it but here comes my shout out to the ancestor nat turner's revolt august 1831 in august 1831 nat turner struck fear into the hearts of white southerners by leading the only effective slave rebellion in u.s history Nat was born in a small on a small plantation in Southampton County, Virginia. Turner inherited a passionate hatred of slavery. And who would? From his African-born mother, and came to see himself as anointed by God to lead his people out of bondage. In early 1831, Turner took a solar eclipse as a sign that the time for revolution was near. And on the night of August 21, he and a small band of followers killed his owners, the Travis family, and set off toward the town of Jerusalem, where they planned to capture an armory and gather more recruits. The group, which eventually numbered around 75 people, black people, killed some 60 white people in two days before armed resistance from local white people and the arrival of state militia forces, the government helping them. They overwhelmed Nat and the other 75 people outside of Jerusalem. Some 100 enslaved people, including innocent bystanders, lost their lives in the struggle. Now, this is my thing. When it comes to slavery, and you just, there are no innocent bystanders, none, none. And this is coming from the History Channel's website, you guys. So look it up, www.history.com slash black history. How can you be a bystander, an innocent bystander, and you know this is going on? And I think we have that too much in our society today because there's still so much negativity taking place against black people. People are still killing um, black people um, just like it is nothing. And if you have innocent people that they call Karens and Calvins and stuff that will challenge black people on certain things. And that's because of the history of this country. And so 
when they say bystanders, I don't think that there's any innocent bystanders. Even if they were enslaved Blacks that were standing out watching, they're not innocent because they were enslaved. And so many people lost their lives in this struggle. And Nat Turner escaped and spent six weeks on the run before he was captured, tried, and hanged. And the only reason he was captured is because somebody sold him out, a black person. That happens too much in our society. Black people, come on, you got to wake up, especially those of you who are on this path to spiritual awareness and growth. That's why I started today's show on the topic of our enslaved ancestors, but we just don't come from slavery. We had a long, long history, like I said, spanning millions of years more than likely because we are a primordial people. But this is very important because it speaks to me when it comes to people's psyche who have been colonized. It's really hard for people to change those thought patterns that have been bred in them. And not only for black people, white people, are just as bad because they feel as if though they have a right to tell us what we can and cannot do for instance our history who would even want to take that from someone i mean would would white people not want their little white babies to know their history well maybe some of them you know especially when you talk about slavery just enslaved black people and the fact that they haven't even given us reparations but they they've given them to other nations chinese vietnamese arab i mean they pay jewish people every year and jewish holocaust did not happen on this soil neither did the american government they were not responsible i don't want to use the word enslaved but they were not responsible for their holocaust but the united states government pays them faithfully and so go figure Black people, today is the first day of our story month. And remember that every day is Black history because I named a few items last week. The comb, uh, the ironing board got a remake over to make it the ironing board that it is today. And so many other things have been invented by Black people. So to take away, I mean, you can't take our history away because we're responsible for keeping our history going. It started as an oral tradition from our ancient African ancestors, and we still should be telling it and then writing it down, too. And so, you know, after they caught Matt, Nat Turner, I'm going to wrap up with Nat. And then next week, I might do Harriet Tubman. And so... Turner was a very smart man, and who's to say that he wasn't spiritually led? Hey, so several states called special emergency sessions after the capture of Nat Turner, and they strengthened their codes in order to limit the education. You can't read the movement. You can't go nowhere. You got to stay on a plantation and assembling. You can't gather with your people. While supporters of slavery pointed to the Turner Rebellion as evidence that Black people were inherently inferior, barbarians requiring an institution such as slavery to dismiss, how the hell can they come up with that? After you have raped, violated, stolen, kidnapped, killed, and enslaved free people, and 
The only thing that they were doing was trying to get their freedom and they fought fire with fire. And so they band together and this is what is what is seen in this government today. It's seen today. They have band together against our people. Against black people. To stop us coming together to stop us being teaching. I mean, they can't stop us getting together, but to stop, I think they tried to do it with COVID though. COVID, everybody in the house shook and black people should have been outside getting their son by a pineal gland to be strengthened. And so black people, Southern black people would strengthen anti-slavery feeling in the North through the 1860s and intensify the regional tensions building toward the civil war. So there you have it. A uh, little history on how black people ended up in the Americas enslaved. <clears throat> Forgive me, you guys. <clears throat> but black people were already present in America. These people got together, these European countries, British, under British rule, and said that we need money. We need these resources that's over in Africa and it's still going on today, which is a very, very sad thing. So I ask you, how can one be spiritual if they don't face the truth? That's one of the first things that I did in my journey is not that I didn't know my history because I have a four-year history degree. I studied world history, black history, African history, Chinese history, Japanese history. I studied the migration of peoples. And I did pretty good. My GPA was like 3.989 or something like that. Our history is very extremely important to who we are. Now at this point in my life, I don't waste my time getting mad at people. It's not going to do me any good. But what I do is share our history. I teach our family members our history and I teach them that is nothing to be ashamed of. In the final analysis, Dr. John Henry Clark does such an excellent job. Dr. Yosef Yakanin and Sheikh Anthony Diop, which he, all three of them are ancestors now, but Dr. Sheikh Anthony Diop was one of the first Africans to cross the shore in the 80s and tell us about our, well, he went against the American government and proved that ancient Egypt was a colony of black people first. And then we get Dr. Ben and we get Dr. Clark who did tireless research for us so that we can truly know ourselves as a black people and so with that said there is nat turner and i named some of the um inventions that were created by black people i kind of re um i um kind of re went over or reviewed, read, went over. I kind of reviewed 
some of the um, inventions last week. I mentioned the comb. I mentioned the um, updo or uptake or the renovation of the ironing board. And so today, some of the African and American inventors that I want to spotlight is Granville T. Woods. He had more than 60 patents. Granville T. Woods was one of the African American inventors, American inventor, inventor, was an American inventor with his more than 60 patents during his lifetime. He made key contributions to the event of the phone, streetcar, incubator, telephony, telegraphony, synchronous multiplex railway, telegraph, safety, um, the safety dimmer, air brake, and more. It was 1887 when Granville T. Woods patented the synchronous multiplex railway telegraph, his first invention. He is named as the Black Edison for his extraordinary quality. Well, I would say he is just extraordinary because we know that Thomas Edison's is handyman or black pearl or slave really was the one to invent electricity the second black person that i'm going to spotlight is jan ernst maltzliger who invented the sneaker shoe machine uh-huh everybody's thinking it's nike and adidas and all that no it was jan ernst Maltzlinger. During the 19th century, the typical particular person could not afford sneakers. This modified due Jan Ernst Maltzlinger, 1852 to 1889, a Dutch Ghani immigrant, had been working in Massachusetts Shoe Manufacturing Company during the 19th century, a time when shoes and sneakers were not affordable to common people. It was Matzlinger who invented the automatic machine in order to connect a shoe's higher half to a sole. This automation made a revolution in the shoe industry. Sales increased dramatically with minimized and affordable costs to the common people. So there you have it. The machine that creates tennis shoes that everybody wears just about every day was created by a black man. And the, I mean, this guy here, Granville, he more than 60 patents, Granville T. Woods. So there we have it. Our history does matter. And we must not falter when telling our history. So moving right along, you guys, we're going to dive right into the, um, we're going to dive right into the brain health portion of our show today. And again, if you want to read um, any information that I just went over in regards to those um, black contributors. Yeah, Nat Turner, he contributed to this country's history. Some people, oh, why you maybe thinking, why did you mention Nat Turner? It was so violent. No, it was no more violent than what happened to him and his people. People, when you get pushed so far up into a corner, you cannot help but come out fighting. And I really and truly believe that's what happened in Nat Turner's case. You know, who's to say that God did not tell him, hey, you got to get your freedom at any cost. 
And the brother went ahead on, the ancestor went ahead on and did what he had to do. And so moving right along, we're going to dive into some brain health. But prior to that, I'd like to pause for a minute and I'd like to say a prayer, a prayer for world peace. You know what? Since it's Black History, I'm going to say a prayer by Dr. Maya Angelou, and it just said, reads prayer. Dr. Maya Angelou. Father, Mother, God, thank you for your presence during the hard and mean days. For then we have you to lean upon. Thank you for your presence. During the bright and sunny days, for then we can share that which we have with those who have less. And thank you for your presence during the holy days, for then we are able to celebrate you and our families and our friends. For those who have no voice, we ask you to speak. For those who feel unworthy, we ask you to pour your love out. We ask you to pour your love out in waterfalls of tenderness for those who live in pain, we ask you to bathe them in the river of your healing. For those who are lonely, we ask you to keep them company. For those who are depressed, we ask you to shower upon them the light of hope. Dear Creator, you, the board, dear less, sea of substance, we ask you to give to all the world that which we need most, peace. And it's simply titled Prayer by Maya Angelou. Hold tight, you guys. We're going to move right on into the last segment of today's Midweek Spiritual Boost. And so in this segment, we're talking about the body's aura or the human body, which refers to the aura we're talking about the human body's aura. And the human energy body refers to the energetic structure of a human being. This is also sometimes called our aura. It contains the seven chakras. And remember, we went over the seven major chakras, which start at your tailbone, the root, the sacral, the solar plexus, the heart, the throat the third eye and the crown chakra. And so there are a number of subtle bodies and it is the overall energy that surrounds and animates our physical being. Oftentimes you can see a person's aura if your psyche or your senses have been developed. Sometimes people can say, I see a color emanating from you. I see red, I see white, you know, I see green. That's the aura the human energy body. So it's an energetic structure of the human being. It's shaped just like your body, but it's comprised of energy. As human beings in today's day and age, it's common for us to hear people talking about the, um, energy you know people say energy you know um everything is energy energy is everywhere and it is true and that's common knowledge today 
that the physical body is comprised of a number of different systems that work together as a part of the whole body. For example, the circulatory system, digestive system, immune system, muscular system, respiratory system, etc. can be perceived as unique structures or systems within the physical body. They are separate systems within the one physical body. And so, when it comes to understanding the human body's energy system, uh, in a similar manner, there are different systems within our human body. Uh, give me a second, you guys. I got to go over my pay over my notes i'm looking over my notes uh so give me a second hold on hold tight for me please okay and so okay in understanding the layers of the human's body human body's energy in a similar manner, there are different systems within the overall energy body of a human being as well. This knowledge about the structure of the energy body is more esoteric or metaphysical in nature, meaning it's less understood and known by the masses because this is spiritual, okay? And so understanding it, however, can create a powerful framework and foundation to support your spiritual growth healing and esoteric abilities as well as expand your consciousness isn't that deep i mean we are miraculous we are miraculous if we can just lay aside all this ugliness hatred and telling lies and about people's history and things like that tell the truth keep it real because we are miraculous but anyway you can discover the structure of your energy body. So understanding the human energy system can get a get bit confusing if you're not familiar with the body's energy system. I mean, some I still get amazed at people when they say the energy what what are you talking about? Because I've been studying it for a while, the body's energy system and so you hear so much about it today i mean you turn on the tv most of the gurus are talking about it right and so it's not by mistake that each system in our body um are different but they work together as a whole depending on the spiritual lineage teacher or tradition you're studying this is very important that's why I chose to be a spiritual counselor. And then I can deal with the mental health issues because I think everything at its core has a spiritual or esoteric meaning. So depending on the spiritual, spiritual lineage, the teacher or the tradition, um, there are certain, uh, how, how do I want to say this? There are certain, certain, I keep on losing my notes. Um, so depending on the spiritual lineage, teacher and tradition, your study, the structure of the human energy field may be presented in dramatically different ways. So depending on the individual, 
and what they've studied and their traditions, they may have um, different information about the structure of the human energy field. And it could be dramatically different, but no one system is right or wrong. That's how remarkable we are. Rather, how our human energy bodies are structured depends entirely on how we consciously perceive, develop, and structure them. Okay? I'm going to let that sit with you for a while. Because consciously, the way you perceive your body, that's why our minds are so important. You know, we shouldn't be filling our minds up with junk. We shouldn't be talking about our kids and our loved ones and putting them down and saying nasty things about them because that affects us. You know, it can affect you. You know, I think about children whose parents just always say mean, nasty things. You're stupid, you're dumb, things like that. And that affects that child because it's energy. Everything is energy, thought, words, you know, we create our reality by going within our mind and tapping in and seeing things, you know, enough people are not acclimated with the process because it can be complex. It takes a lot of training and sometimes it takes a lot of time in order to tap within your mind and trick the subconscious mind in order to do the things that you want to do. So certain lineage lineages and traditions will intentionally structure the human body in a different way through specific conscious and spiritual practices. It's important to note here that changes in consciousness can and will impact the energy bodies. And on the other hand, changes within the energy bodies will also impact the consciousness. Because again, it, it, it doesn't matter uh, what area you're working on. In the final analysis, the energy body is connected to the physical body, is connected to your mind and your behavior. So everything works as a whole. Unfortunately, we were in a society over in America, we're reared in the society where people who, you know, due to the religions that they force on a lot of people had us thinking that the energy body and certain organisms within our bodies are separate when we're not it's all a whole so in other words you can consciously restructure your energy bodies through conscious focus and practice i mean you get the monks you know you get the Dalai lama you know and a lot of gurus a lot of people from india they are well known for being able to do this but again we're living in this day and age of information and many people are going back to those traditional ancestral sciences or practices what have you and they're discovering how to restructure their body's energy field and so the main reason or purpose for the different systems and structures of the human energy field is this. By perceiving our energy bodies in certain ways, new practices and experiences become available that do not work within the context of another tradition structure. So 
there's a doctor by the name of Robert Gilbert, and he can really he really did a good job in helping me understand the different layers of the human energy field across a number of different lineages and spiritual traditions. And by learning the perspectives of different traditions, it became clear, and it'll be become clear to you. I mean, if you or um, willing to practice this and then look up Dr. Robert Gilbert's work and tell me how your experience was. But for me, it helped me understand the layers of our energy body in so many different ways. And by learning the perspective of different traditions, it became clearer that each point to the truth and by viewing things from 12 different perspectives, we can better and more fully understand the truth and the whole truth. So if you'd like to deep dive into this topic, check out Dr. Gilbert's course on the essential teachings and practices of spiritual science. It's on basica.org, V as in Victor, E. Edward, S. Sam, I. India, C. Cat and aapple.org and he breaks it down so well you're going to be happy you're going to leave with a very thorough clear understanding of our body's energy system and how different cultures approach it and in the final analysis when we all get done we're doing the same thing we just do it a different way for now in this um, segment i want to share some insight into four different human energy systems now i'm going to save that for next week next week i'm going to wrap this segment up and i'm next week i will share with you insight into a four different human energy system structures so you can get an idea of how and why differences in these systems may manifest So moving right along, I did want to play a clip by one of, by my mentor, Dr. Joseph Murphy. Um, I played it last week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But um, since time is moving and I have sessions I have to get to, I'm going to go ahead on and begin to wrap tonight's show up. And so moving right along, our next topic and please look this up, you know, it's, it's vesica.org. Um, I want to do a sponsor shout out to PIMS Balance Spiritual Counseling and Coaching for providing superior counseling and coaching to help people create happier, healthier lives through the PIMS Balance Inner Sculpting Program. Now, if you're looking to really delve deep into your energy body, I would suggest that you try PIMS Balance out. This Inner Sculpting Program gets rave reviews. You end up getting introduced to the basics of the seven major chakras, chakra cleansing, balancing, and energy work. In addition, each client creates a PIMS Balance Inner Sculpting Vision Board. And so if you're interested in finding out more about your energy body, 
or about PIMS Balances Exceptional Services, call 314-740-0903 or reach out on the website at www.pimsbalance.com. All right, you guys, moving right along. I am going to share a moral story for spiritual growth and awareness. Now, these are real life stories, okay? The title of this moral story, and we know that moral stories, especially the real life stories, um, they empower us. They give us purpose and they give us hope while expanding our spiritual well-being and so there is a story that is titled love loss life and it is you know what i'm not gonna read that one i'm not gonna read that one let me go back you guys let me go back let me go back um Okay, I'm going to read this one, and I may have read it in a past episode, but there's a lot going on in the world, and I can imagine, um, you know, there's a lot going on in our country, in the United States, especially um, racial tensions are still at all-time highs. It doesn't matter how many people intermarry, I mean, not intermarry, but no, we don't want any of that, but people interracial marriages and you know you're accepting all of these different laws when it comes to people who live alternative lifestyles black people are still being murdered and killed unjustly even black people are killing black people i mean we've always had black people killing well we didn't always have black people killing black people let me back that up because when i was growing up in the 70s that was unheard of Moving into the 1980s, there began to be an influx of Black people who joined gangs and then drugs got dropped into our neighborhoods and guns and things like that and territory and things like that. And psychologically, you know, I don't condone this violence, but I can understand why, Um, you know, being that's why I've never been for school segregation. You know, it's not that I think that. You know, I have nothing against people, 
um, of no nationality, really. I don't have a racist bone in my heart, and I'm so thankful that my heart chakra got developed a while ago. So I really and truly don't have any hatred in my heart. I have acquaintances um, from all nationalities, and I seriously mean all nationalities. Give a shout out to the state of Minnesota, because while I was living in Minnesota, Minnesota was really a culture shock for me coming from the Midwest, coming from St. Louis, you know, Black people lived on their side of the city. White people lived on their side of the city. If for those people who got bussed out with their school segregation, they started doing all their zoning and thing. They were having, some people were having problems. One of my children was um, bussed to a school way out, like hour away from where we lived. And I worked um, uh, half an hour to 45 minutes away in a totally different direction. But nonetheless, I was able to go to my kids' school. You know, the Most High has always been good to me. I've always uh, gone to school, uh, got educated, and got good jobs, some of the best jobs. So I had cars and things like that. And a lot of support from my dad and my granddad. Uh, and so, and mom and my grandma. <laughs> but, you know, my son and one of my youngest brother, who's like a son, they were busted. I tried to fight against it. I'm telling you, they cut our street. They, they split the street up. I'm like, huh? You know, this block go here and people across the street go there. And I sent these. And they were sending these children out of our community. And it was just a bunch of mess. And so I'm not a racist person. You know, I'm not one of those people that say, oh, I got white friends. Just to be saying I got one white friend. No. There are white people all through my family. I remember them being around as a kid. Um, um, the word half-breed, mixed, mulatto, we would hear that and we would say, what? You know, this is just a family member. You know what I'm saying? But within this country, you know, within uh, uh, America and our communities, something has to give. Those five black police officers that participated in murdering Ty, I think his name is Tyrell. Yeah, Tyrell Nichols. Um, rest in peace with the ancestors, uh, Brother Tyrell. Today was his funeral. And, and, and his mother, she's just the epitome of a, a black mother. Because one thing that a black mother will do is feel sorry for somebody who has committed a heinous crime against their loved ones. I mean, I just had to deal with that recently with my loved one, and we lost three of our loved ones, three of our loved ones back to back, culminating in April of last year. The elder just couldn't take it, and her heart, her son, her youngest son, her and her granddaughter was murdered by her granddaughter's boyfriend, whom she had broken up with. And the elder, I think I, I, I asked you guys to pray for my family and to pray for her because she ended up going into the hospital. She ended up passing away. But prior to her passing away, she says, Jackie, my heart just keep hurting so bad. She believed in the most high. You know, in her mid-70s, she had her concept of God, and that's okay. I tried to teach her about energy work and 
took herbs and things to her to try to help her get along, but she ended up transcending. And so I am no stranger to um, black on black crime. It's a psychological impairment when you look at a person from your nation, because black people, we are a nation. And the nation doesn't mean it black. Black is a color. We are a nation. Now, you want to say Negro? Okay. You know, I'm learning more about the word Negro. Um, we are not African Americans. We're Africans in America. That is my perspective. But on this black on black crime has to stop. You know, it's bad enough that other na nationalities, other nations look at us, look down on us. I'm even hearing people say that Ukrainians are disrespecting them. And I've seen a lady on YouTube, a black woman up in Manhattan, a Ukrainian woman comes along and tells her she didn't belong sitting on a bench. And a woman says she had like been living in Manhattan for like 40 years, owned her own home, excellent job. She didn't argue with the woman. This woman was crying, a Ukrainian, could barely speak English. And then she lied to this black woman who was sitting on a bench in her community where she pays taxes and said that the black woman called her a bitch. That kind of stuff is so asinine, I cannot even begin to fathom why somebody would make up a bunch of lies because I'm all about keeping it real, telling the truth. Always have been, and I am so happy. I'm so happy I'm like that. That lets me know that spiritually, I am doing the right thing. The most high is pleased with me. But I keep it real. I'm not going to cut corners with anybody. I'm going to tell the truth and tell it like it is. Anyway, the police couldn't do nothing to that woman because she was definitely a citizen of Manhattan. I guess she said, yeah, well, you living in Manhattan, this is where wealthy people are. But I'm wondering what you're doing up in Manhattan. Is somebody sponsoring you? You are fleeing from a war-torn country. And you're going to come over here and target black people. But they did that just didn't happen on this soil. They were targeting black people over in Ukraine when the war against Russia first broke out. And I was wondering, what the hell y'all doing over in that country anyway? But anyway, black people need to quit it. Quit killing each other. These five black police officers that participated, they were the ones that actually jumped on him. And this brother ended up dying. But there were EMT operators, and uh, which were the fire, fire department, and other police officers stood around and let them beat the holy heck out of them. They call a scorpion something, you know. So now the police chief, all of them, you know, you brought negativity on yourself. But that young man's woman, Tyrell Nichols' mother, this woman says she prays for them all, you know, and that's what we do, you know. We'll pray for you. Now, I don't know if I'm, I'm as like them because, hey, you know what I'm saying? You get everything that you deserve. I don't know. I have to pray. Yes, I would, though. I would definitely say I pray for you. I mean, as long as you don't come over here with that, you know, just stay over there and I will pray for you. So, um, yeah, you got to stop the black on black crime, people. And so in reading this story, spiritual growth, moral stories, distractions in your path.
Okay, I think I did that one though, right? I did that one. So um, I'm going to go to the camel and the fox. This is about being selfish and we're not supposed to be selfish as we grow spiritually. And so this is titled camel and fox, selfish act. Once a camel and fox became very good friends, they would look for food together and have fun. And one day while looking for food, they saw a farm, but they had to cross a river to reach there. The camel knew how to swim, but the fox did it. So the camel said, you can climb on my back and I'll carry you across the river. The fox was happy and he hopped on the camel's back. Soon they both crossed the river and made their way to the farm. Arriving at the farm, the fox caught a chicken while the camel dug up some fresh veggies. The fox quickly gobbled up his chicken, but the camel was slow with eating his veggies. Despite seeing that the fox said, my friend, when I... And finish eating. I am accustomed to singing. Now I shall sing. Camel got scared and said, Don't sing yet. I haven't finished eating veggies. And if you sing now, former will hear you and we'll be in trouble. Fox didn't listen to him and started singing. Hearing it, former came out running with a very large stick. Fox was small and quickly ran away, but the camel was slow and received many blows on his legs and back before being able to escape from the farmer. When the camel came back to the river, the fox was waiting for him. The camel was very upset with him and questioned, why did you sing when I was still eating my food? The fox said, because it's a custom. Now let me get on your back so we can go back. The camel didn't say anything more. Let him climb on his back. The camel started walking slowly across the river. And as soon as they reached halfway in the river, the camel stopped and said, when I'm done eating, I am accustomed to taking a bath. Listening to this, the fox got scared and they were in the middle of the river. Please don't take, take a bath here. If you take a bath, I, I, I'll drown in the river. The camel ignored him and lowered his back deep into the river until the fox lost her grip on his Help me, help me, help me, cried the fox. Camel got up and said, now you understand. Are you sorry? That because of your selfishness, I got beaten by the farmer. The fox cried, yes, yes, I realized my mistake. Now, please forgive me. Seeing this camel felt pity and swarm and swam the rest of the way across the river and climbed up the bank onto the warm grass with the fox on his back. So the moral of this story is one should not act selfish and know that if you do wrong with someone, Others might do wrong with you. So be careful about how you act with others. Thank you, guys. That's going to wrap up today's show. Um, I didn't cover an herb today, so I'll piggyback next week, and I will give you like six herbs and some herbal remedies and probably some recipes to make it good for, for um, Wednesday's midweek boost. But before I go, I would like to say leave you guys with a meditation. Whatever you observe, you should view it like an illusion, similar to a reflection in a mirror, a dream, a mirage, a water bubble, or a thick trick of the eye. So should you see it. The Buddha said, that is the main insight. Go figure that. Peace and light. 
Thanks for tuning in. Have a good week. Thank you.